The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. Let's pray. Father, I want to say thank you for this time of declaring your truth, declaring who you are, declaring what you've done, declaring your mercy, showing the greatness of your son and the wickedness of our hearts to change us from within by the power of your Holy Spirit. Use me, God, to glorify your son. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I have the honor of bringing us back into Romans. And we're starting in Romans chapter 9. Justin left off at verse 8, but I'm going to read verse 8 to verse 18. And in God's sovereignty, I have the special opportunity to read from my mom's Bible today. Forgive me. This woman prayed for me. told me before I was a preacher when I was walking in my selfish sinful ways I've prayed for you that God would use you to preach the gospel you're not allowed to live your life your own way that doesn't make sense unless you understand this text. My mom prayed for me before I was born. Like Hannah, there is a 11-year gap between my niece sister, 16-year gap of my oldest sister. Only thing I can say is that God put a gap to force my mom to pray, my parents to pray. Then God answered I didn't choose to be chosen. <laughs> but I'm glad I am chosen. Amen. Let's read the text. So I can focus, get these tears out of my eyes. That those who are children of God are of the flesh, these are not children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebecca also had conceived by one man, even by her father Isaac, 
For the children not yet born, being, be, uh, being born, nor having done any good or evil, for the purpose of God, according to the election, might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. It was said to her, the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I have compassion. So then, it is not him who wills, nor him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Therefore, he has mercy on whom he wills, and whom he wills, he hardens. title of this sermon is Yahweh is Sovereign. I wrestled with this, tried to, when you first start trying to look at the text, you're trying to make it edible, you're trying to make it concise, you're trying to, what they call, bake it down to get to the key elements. And usually you try to use a hook to try to grab the audience's attention, to grab them into the sermon so that they will pay attention to what you're saying because it is relevant to their lives. Most times we come to church just to come to church out of tradition and we don't believe it's relevant to our lives. But it's hard to bring a hook about the sovereign God. And I was sitting there yesterday and I had to just walk away from the sermon. I went to my PlayStation 2 and PlayStation 4 and started playing baseball. I was like, this is too much for me. I cannot get a hook about the sovereign God and I am playing baseball. My wife comes in there all nice and polite. She's like, you're okay. I was like, this, I can't get a hook. Cannot get a hook. And I struggle with hooks as it is, right? For me, my personality is, you need this, listen to it, get it, and do it. That's me. That's my personality. Okay, but... As a preacher, you have to plead with people because not everyone's personality is like yours. You have to say, pretty please, will you hear what God has to say for your life? Will you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you don't, hell will be your home. And we try to say it as nice as we probably can. It is not palpable to preach the gospel. It is not convenient for the preacher we don't like telling you the bad news. If it was all good news, we would just tell it to you. Like Justin said two weeks ago, I wish I could preach universalism, but the Bible does not preach universalism. Now we're getting to a harder text where the Bible says God has mercy on whom he has mercy and whom he wills, he hardens. And when we was talking about this on Tuesday, we was like, oh my goodness, this is going to come over like a box of rocks. And Justin was like, I'm glad I'm not preaching it. <laughs> I was like, thanks, Justin. Thanks. But let's get into Romans 9. And let's re come back to where Justin dropped off. He dropped off saying that 
Unto Israel have been given the adoption of sons. Unto Israel has been given the glory. Unto Israel have been given the promises. Unto Israel have been given the covenants. Unto Israel have been given the glory of God. Unto Israel have been given the law. But they missed it. They missed it because they didn't let the word of God penetrate their heart. They didn't let the word of God take root in their lives and transform them from within, not for them to fix themselves, but for them to cry out, God have mercy on me. What you say is true, but I cannot accomplish it. Will you, just like he redeemed them out of Egypt, and we're going to hit that point, will you do in me what the law requires? Because I can't do it. Everyone wants to talk about how good we are, how moral we are, and I, I, I be honest with you, the world has a universal aspect on life. Even when a person death dies, they say R-I-H. On every person that passed away, I grieve for the person that passed away, but everyone is not getting a R-I-H. You know what R-I-H means? Rest in heaven. That's not the Bible. That's not biblical. That isn't truth. Everyone isn't getting R-I-H. The truth is, in Calvinists, those who are staunch Calvinist people right now, you like, preach this sermon, preach this sermon, preach this sermon, preach this sermon. But I got some news for some Calvinists. I'm going to hit you with some Armenian too because it is in the Bible. So I'm going to make you smile, but I'm going to make you cry by the end of this sermon too, hopefully. Because the Bible says, whosoever wills, let him come. The Bible does not give us the leeway to disobedience to the call of the gospel to preach the gospel. We must always remember Yahweh is sovereign. What does that mean, Herbert? He's in full control and he has absolute power over every event, every circumstance, all chaos, and even all good things. He is, he is not playing checkers. He's playing chess, not on one level, on multiple levels. He is doing this over here, doing this over here, and he's saying, devil, you come here, man, you come here, government, you come here, and whoever, atheist, you come here, and I'm playing you all at the same time, and at the end, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, what we must understand and what Israel missed, that even from the beginning, when Moses wrote the Torah, the Bible says in John, and Moses let them know of the hope because of Genesis 22, when God told Abraham, take your only son, your only begotten son whom you love. That wasn't Abraham's only son. That wasn't his unique son. I mean, his only son. Ishmael was his first son. Isaac was his unique son. It was his son of promise. It was a son that God gave him. Everything that God blesses, 
God first got to put his hand of approval on it. See, if you're honest with yourself, we do not like people with power. Like the saying by Sir John um, de Berg, the action, power corrupts, finish it for me, absolute power corrupts. And that's how we see God. Definitely how all atheists see God. But God is holy. God is pure. God's intentions are always good. And God is not learning who we are. There isn't anything about me that God needs to learn about me to know who I am. He has known me from my mother's womb. And check this out. He knew me in Christ before the foundation of the world because it's in Christ we have been redeemed. It is in Christ we have been set free. It is in Christ you have been saved. So back to Abraham. Abraham was given a picture of what God would do and how God uniquely sent his only begotten son. For God, for Jesus says in, in, in John chapter 8, Abraham delighted to see my day. And they said, you're not yet 50 years old. What do you mean Abraham delighted to see your day? And he says, before Abraham was, ego I may, I am. He took the name from Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, and applied it to himself. For in, for, so for those of you who say that Jesus never declared himself to be God, stop it. Go to John chapter 8, verse 58, and you will see the truth of the word of God. See, what we must understand in our lives, because Christ in the heart of God was slain before the foundation of the world, God made the first move. God made the first move on your salvation. I know we like to say a lot of times, we found God. I found the Lord. No, you didn't. God's not lost. You didn't find him. He showed you mercy. He chose you, and he gave you the gospel to know him. You didn't find God. God found you. You were lost. You were the wayward sheep. He brought you into his sheepfold. So Paul's heart for Israel is longing for them to see you miss God one time. Don't miss God now. You miss God when he came in according to prophecy, at the right time, riding on a donkey, according to prophecy. You miss Jesus declaring that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Don't miss him now that he has been raised from the dead. He still has salvation for you, even though Israel has been set aside. God put partial blindness on Israel. Now God is working through this mystery called the church where both Jew and Gentile are coming together making one new man. God, by his blood, has broken down the wall of enmity and given something unique in this day and age where we get a glimpse of what heaven looks like, where we have brothers and sisters on the outside don't look like us, but on the, from the inside we speak the same language. What is the language? Jesus Christ is Lord, and he died on the cross for all of our sins. Same language, 
same declaration. And we have been saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves, but it is the work of God in us. You see, it is the promises of God that cannot fail. I want you to understand all of God's promises are always on time. Let's look at the scripture. See, God said to Abram, Abraham and Sarah, shows that he's in full control. This time next year, you will have a son. He gave them the time. He gave them when the son was going to happen. We do not know. Some of us have a lot of oopses. I'm not going to go deep, deeper than that, but you know what I'm talking about. Oops. I got a surprise for you, honey, when you come home. Oops. We had too much fun in the Caribbean. Oops. Okay, that's as far as I'm going on that. But this was not a oops. It was the power of God working to accomplish his will, to keep his covenant that he told Abraham, I will make you a great nation, and through you all the earth will be blessed. What does that mean? God is in full control of his promise of redemption. Even when it comes down, when, and Paul is going to the next part of the text, even when it comes down to the birth of twins, God says, I have chosen before they were born. The text says before they even done good or evil, which means they didn't do anything to merit God's favor. Jacob didn't do anything to become the firstborn, um, um, the progenitor the heir of the kingdom, have the firstborn rights, have the seat of preeminence to rule the family. Jacob didn't deserve that. If you look at Jacob's life, Jacob was a rascal. He lied, he tricked, he stole, he maneuvered, and he went to his Uncle Laban, and his Uncle Laban taught him, you were only, you were a liar on high school level. I'm a PhD in liar. <laughs> so he met his match when he went to, when he went to Padana Ram and met up with his uncle. But... God chose Jacob. Even when Isaac wanted to choose Esau. You see, because this lineage is God's means of redemption. So this promise wasn't Isaac's to give. It wasn't even Abraham's to give. Genesis chapter 15, God walked through the sacrifice all by himself. Abram was taking a nap which means God was holding himself responsible for making this nation great. God himself was holding himself responsible for bringing them a redeemer. God is holding himself responsible for saving you. For some of us, that should be give us rejoice right there. You're not saving yourself. God is saving you. God saved you before the foundation of the world, and God will continue to do the work of salvation in your life. Some of us should be able to take a woosaw right now. You are worried that you have done something that will cause you to be taken away from God or cast away from God. If God has chosen you, God has sealed you. And God will show you by his spirit. Just be still and wait. Stay in his scriptures. Get with your prayer team. Get with your community group and say, this is where I am. I need God to talk to me. I don't feel like right now, let your feelings take the second base and let your face take first place. I don't fear right now like I'm saved. 
Let them pray for you. For the Bible says the spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are sons of God. That's Romans chapter 8, the praise chapter. If you want a time, if you want time to rejoice in God showing that nothing can separate you from the love of God, go back and just meditate on Romans chapter 8. But get back to God showing us I'm in control of this plan. This plan of salvation is my plan. I am working through Abraham. I am working through Isaac. I chose Jacob. Now, we're going to hit a verse that will make some of us quiver in our seats, make some of us who are ultra-compassionate shake. I love Jacob, and I hate Esau. Paul is writing this as a point of showing God's sovereignty. And like I said before, part of who God is, he's not learning who we are. He's not omniscient. So when he makes a sovereign move, it's because he knows the outcome. He knows how that person going to respond to the truth that God reveals to them, whether it's truth of creation, truth through their conscience, or truth through the gospel. God knows who is receiving what I'm saying right now to you. See, there are multiple hearts. The Lord speaks in Matthew chapter 13. There's a heart of stone. There's a heart with weeds. There are hearts with stones around them. And there's a heart that is good. And even the heart that is good, all of us don't rightly receive everything God says at the right level. There is those who receive it at 30, those who receive it at 60, and 90, and 100 fold. See, the word didn't change. Our hearts, our response, our response to the word how are you responding to the word? I know everyone in here, if I ask if you save, you're going to pop up like popcorn. But how are you responding to the word of God? How are you allowing God's promises to take root in your life and transform your life? How are you stumbling over if God's timing, if he's missed his timing on his promises concerning your life? Some of you might be like, I thought I would have this by now. Was it God's promise or your plan? Because if it's God's promise, it's going to happen. If it's your plan, he doesn't have to approve that. He backs up his promises. He might give approval to some of our plans. Because not all of our plans go or line up with his promises. But his promises are yea and amen and is good for our soul and is for his glory. See, what we must understand and we must get in our heart and in our spirit, God is strictly concerned about his glory. If you want to see God work in your life, if you want to see God work through you and see God transform you and transform others, be concerned about his glory. Be concerned about the one whom he's concerned about. This is my beloved son and in whom I am well pleased. How concerned are you about Jesus? 
How concerned are you about bowing down before him, worshiping him and declaring him as Lord? How concerned are you about sharing the gospel, what Jesus told you to do? He didn't tell you to worry about if they will receive the gospel. He told us to share the gospel. For those Calvinists, they just had a heart attack. You means I got to play a part because God wants us to play a part in his sovereignty, even though we have no part in his sovereignty. Did you hear that? God wants us to play a part in his sovereignty, even though we don't have a part in his sovereignty. When we preach the gospel, when we declare Jesus as Lord, we are participating in his sovereignty. God chooses whom he's going to show mercy to, and God chooses whom he's going to harden because he's not learning who we are. But he is taken out right now from the wild olive branch. And he's grafting them into the root. And the root is Christ. He is the true vine. And he is taking both Gentile and Jew, like I said before, making one new man. Let's hit the last point. Let's hit Pharaoh. You have to see at this time, Pharaoh and the nation of Egypt was a dynasty, and they were a dynasty that ruled the globe. Pretty much like a type of the future when the Antichrist comes. Pharaoh thought he was God. And God took someone who thought less of his speaking ability and perceived he had no authority and said, Moses, go speak to Pharaoh. I'm like, hold up. You burning a bush and all, that's cool, but you want me to go speak to Pharaoh? First of all, he killed an Egyptian, so he was like, I killed somebody. You, I got to go back. That's my life. You know, God didn't tell him Pharaoh was dead until after he went, until after he obeyed and stepped out on faith. Life application. What are you afraid of? That's God. God is calling you to, and you're like, I can't do it. I tell you, I was afraid of. I was afraid of doing this right here. Because I grew up, and when I was in school, I wasn't a strong reader. I used to stumble over my words. And I had a family member who was my teacher, which made it even worse. She humiliated me in front of the class, so that made me, that made the introvert in me even worse. But I tell you, I get no greater joy in preaching the gospel. I get no greater joy seeing a person come to Christ. I went on a mission trip to Zimbabwe, and they asked me to preach in front of the Ethiopian, the Zimbabwe Jews, which have been scattered, and to just regular Zimbabweans. And I preached every Sunday, every, every day. And when I came back, I was on such an emotional high, my wife's like, 
please don't tell me. We're, we're not moving to Africa, are we? And I was like, come on, girl. We can do this. I've seen what God do to people's hearts. Come on, we can do this. To see people's hearts change for, from being rebellious to a holy God to saying, you alone are Lord. Amen. Save me. Thank you for your son. For dying on the cross for all my sins. I get no greater joy. Ask the other preachers. None of us like getting up here, but we get no greater joy than preaching the gospel. So what are you afraid of? Moses was afraid of facing Pharaoh and talking before the hierarchy and stumbling over his words. But if you read the text, even though God said, I will give you your brother Aaron, if you read the text, once Moses started moving, Moses is talking. Aaron is just doing work. Moses is declaring. So don't tell me what God can't do with anyone who will place their hands, their lives in the hands of the master. Are you willing to trust Jesus to use you to share the gospel? Don't worry about the outcome. Now the Bible says God exalted Pharaoh for the purpose of getting glory. That means everyone's not going to be saved. And God can even use a sinner for his glory and to warn others whom he did choose to show mercy to for his glory. See, what God did to Egypt made all the other nations fearful of Israel and the God of Israel. But you know what it did do? It saved Rahab, the harlot. It saved a woman that people thought less of. It saved a woman that people abused. It saved a woman that people mistreated. And guess what? God is so merciful. He didn't only save her. He put her in the lineage of Jesus' ancestry. That's the God I serve. Amen. See, I don't care what sin you've done. You don't know. I was a homosexual. I was a harlot. I was a prostitute. I was a drug addict. You don't know what I've done. Trust Jesus. He can make you brand new. Trust Jesus. He can give you new life. Trust. to close there is a conductor every day he's calling out today is the day of salvation today is the day of salvation board the owner's train board the owner's train the price in the ticket has been fully, fully paid for today is the day of salvation to whosoever will, let him come. Today is the day of salvation. 
Harden not your hearts. And for those who walk up scared and grab a ticket and go in the train and they say, they direct them to their cabin, they realize when they get to their cabin, the name is on the door of the cabin. How he know who I was? When they go in the cabin, they see clothes of righteousness that fit them perfectly. How he know my size? Then when they get to heaven, they see chosen on the gates, chosen before the foundation of the world. Today is the day of salvation. Harder not your hearts. Today is the day of salvation. Board the train. Harder not your hearts. There is a ticket for everyone who will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, God. May your name be blessed to your servant. Get the glory out of Stone Oak Bible Church and every church that preaches the gospel, every church that declares Jesus as Lord. Use us. Use us. Use us.